On today's show, we are doing an NBA draft deep dive into Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today, we are looking at uh, Isaac Okoro as an NBA draft scouting prospect. Today's episode is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. Go to RockAuto.com for all of your car parts needs. So today, we are yeah, looking at Isaac Okoro out of Auburn in the mock draft I did the other day. He was a top 10 pick. He's still someone who I'm quite... I guess on the fence about. He's a little bit of a weird one to try and get a full grasp on. And he's one of those players that you watch and you go, well, I can see the appeal, but also one of those guys where in the past that sort of archetype of player has burned me in terms of you know scouting them or, or looking at them or trying to project what their future is going to be in the NBA. So I do have some concerns about where... Um, about what we can get from Okoro as we move forward. He is a six foot six forward, 19 years of age, played for Auburn. Didn't really come into this year with any sort of top 10 buzz at all, but his ability to, first of all, wear short shorts, which is a trend that I love. Love the short shorts in college basketball. But yeah, to have the ability to be this perimeter defender, to be a high-quality uh, offensive finisher, uh, is important. He played 32 minutes a night. He averaged 13 points per game, which is obviously not much at all. This is a low-usage wing player. He's a small forward, six foot six uh, type of a player. His usage was yeah, not high, under 20%, which is really, really... Uh, it's a troubling number. Um, yeah, and when he gets to the NBA, what's he going to be, a 13 14% usage guy? That's a worry. 13 points, four and a half boards, two assists per game, 0.9 steals, 0.9 blocks. Per 36 minutes, that's a block and a steal per game. And that steal number is low, and we saw these good defensive players in college like DeAndre Hunter with really, really small defensive stat numbers come into the NBA, and that sort of stuff carried over. So I'm a little bit worried there with Okoro to be this 3 and D type of player who shot under 29% from three and then didn't generate big defensive numbers. They are massive concerns to me in terms of you know, what he's going to become in the NBA. Uh, 29% from three is not a good number. 67% from the free throw line is also not a good number. Now, he was a really strong finisher around the rim. 51% overall field goals is pretty good. True shooting of 59 is pretty good, considering those two other numbers aren't fantastic. He drew free throws at a really, really good rate. 54% free throw rate, which is a huge number. His projected NBA three-point percentage is 32 33%. Not great. Good finisher. Really good uh, free throw drawing ability. Those things are, are key things. And defensively, he played well. But the advanced numbers don't necessarily back that up defensively. Um, the shooting numbers are a real worry. The assists are not high. But now, if we want to be fair to Okoro, which I, th I think we always should be, the assist numbers are low, right? But he did show an ability to be a very good passer. 
Can that be something that actually appears in the NBA? Can he be someone who runs secondary, tertiary pick and rolls and boosts that assist number up from 2.3 per 36? I think there's a chance of it that he could maybe get to be a four assist per game guy. But the worry we have here is the usage and the shooting. A low usage, poor shooting player who then needs to develop this passing and handle the ball more. And then if he's not even a threat offensively, does he get those opportunities to show that passing? There are real concerns to me as to where he fits. Now, Jacob Goldstein's draft model ranks him pretty highly, ranks him fifth in this class, in fact, which is a relatively high ranking. Um, His fantasy translations are absolutely bad. They are rough, like really, really rough. Low points, low threes. Poor rebounding, no assists, no steals, no blocks, bad free throw percentage, like rough. Even if he went to a team next season where he'd plug in as a a 30-minute-a-night starter, I would not want anything to do with him in a top 100, top 150 setting for next season. He is a guy where I go, well, maybe it comes. Maybe this high level of finishing can translate. Maybe he can become this guy on the wing who averages a good amount of assists, four and a half assists per game, five assists per game. Maybe the defensive stats start to come. But then I look at it and go with a guy who, at this point, I've been wrong on, Zaire Smith out of Texas Tech two years ago. I thought, yeah, okay, this is awesome. If the shooting comes around, if the offense comes around, the defense is there, he's going to be awesome. He's got that trajectory. And it hasn't worked out in the slightest. Jarrett Culver, some of the theory on him. You're a really good defender. What can happen with him offensively? It, none of it has happened. He was just really bad as a rookie. Uh, and I do worry about where Okoro fits in there. Um, there's a bit of a difference in terms of looking at him as a fantasy prospect, which I'm not high on him at all. I think that at this point, if we were doing a dynasty fantasy rookie draft, he wouldn't be top 10 or probably even top 15 at this point. But in terms of overall players, I had him going at six in my mock draft. Now, I'm probably going to do another mock draft this week, and he might not go that high because I've done more in-depth research on him, and I'm a little bit worried about sort of where he fits in the NBA and if these issues that he has can be translated. I think he can be an Otto Porter type of a starter, but a much worse shooting Otto Porter. Um, and that, of course, is not does not give you good... Otto Porter is the difference there. Otto Porter is a very good three-point shooter, a very good two-point shooter, and a very good guy getting steals, whereas Okoro is none of those things, and, and that's, that's a worry. He's a little bit like one of those guys who's a, a jack-of-all-trades, can do little bits of everything, but nothing um, is, is great on offense especially, and the shooting is poor. But he does have a high IQ. He was able to develop at a huge, huge rate this season, which is um, a a big positive in where he moves forward from here. But I still have some significant concerns about where Okoro uh, lands in the NBA. I do have to tell you guys about a new sponsor. It's great to have these guys on board, and that is the guys over at Rock Auto. We know that servicing cars and getting car parts can be an expensive and often frustrating exercise to get these parts and get them at a decent price. But with rockauto.com, you can go there, search for whatever part you need, and it's right there in front of you. You don't have to go into the to the um, mechanics or to the car store, say, have you got this part for my car? Oh, we'll have to order it in. It'll be four to six weeks. And none of that nonsense. With rockauto.com, they have got those parts available for you. And they're cheaper. What more could you want? For example, now I know absolutely nothing about car parts, 
but a Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 20, uh, 2010 Honda Odyssey is $354 at advance. And on rockauto.com, it's $216.79. That is a huge, huge saving for this fuel pump assembly. Chain stores also have different prices for do-it-yourselfers and professional mechanics. rockauto.com, it's the price is the same right across the board and you're going to be saving money. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. So if you go to RockAuto.com and when they ask you, where did you hear about us? Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us section. They'll, they'll know that you came from us. Go save some money on fixing your car. Go to RockAuto.com. All right, let's back go back to Isaac Okoro now. Um, yeah, look, the... Defensively, uh, um, yeah, I think he's going to be a good defender. I think he's got high defensive IQ. He can play on and off ball. He's not a high wingspan sort of a guy, which I think limits his ability to be a high steals and blocks guy. And we've seen that already in college. So that's a little bit of a concern. But he's smart. He knows where to go. He knows when to rotate. He can uh, work at uh, shutting guys down. So he's more of a... Uh, a passive defender versus an active defender. He can go out there and shut those guys down. Very similar to, say, uh, Oji Ananobi, although this season he was able to bump up his uh, defensive stats. Hello there. So in terms of shutting these guys down, he can do that, but he's not the defensive playmaker. He's not getting steals. He's not creating turnovers. He's not creating havoc. He's not blocking shots. Although the block shots for a small forward, it's a pretty solid number, but a poor rebounding rate as well is a concern. I just worry about all these things that the theory of Okoro is good and the draft being weaker than a lot of drafts pushes him up the board. Great, 3.3 and D wing who doesn't shoot threes and don't, where the hell does he fit on offense and you know what's he doing defensively? That's uh, that's the worry. He's a good cutter offensively. He's a good finisher, but is that enough? That's uh, that, that's that's the worry I think here with Okoro is where he fits in the in the NBA. Now I, I think that he is probably more of a sixth or seventh man. Could he be a Tabo Cephalosha type of player? Could he be a better offensive version of Andre Robertson, a worse defensive version? Uh, I don't think they're outrageous um, comparisons, but he, the, th the thing is, it, it's all going to, I think, come down with Okoro to the shooting. Can he develop into any sort of shooter at all? Because at this point, he just isn't. Only two, only th three attempts per 36 from three is a low volume. 29% is bad. 67% from the free throw line is also bad. So it's not like, oh, well, the threes weren't there, but he was a great free throw shooter like Killian Hayes. Great off the dribble like Killian Hayes. Like he's none of those things. He finishes around the rim really strong. 61% finishing at the rim. And then everything else is rough. Now, his shot profile is good. We'll give him that. He either goes to the rim or he takes threes. He just doesn't take any mid-ranges at all. The shot... Um, Form is not ideal. That needs some work, and it might be a two or three year uh, process in terms of fixing that in his shot. The elbow sort of yeah it pops out a little bit. It's it's not balanced. He's not that good in terms of being able to make shots on the move, uh, off coming off screens. He, he can he's okay at running around those screens, but he is not that sort of shooter that we want to rely upon in that scenario. Um, there is some hope, I think, when looking at his looking at his shot that he can develop into at least an average shooter. I think that's that's yeah, a positive there. The the big strength that we need to see from him is that passing. Because I'm pretty sure that that passing ability from Okoro can be there. 
I think he can become a strong enough passer where he can be a player. Yeah, when we've seen it with guys like Alonzo Ball, although his three-point volume is huge, um, a player who can, I guess, hide some of his shooting deficiencies by having the ball in his hands. Now, Okoro is by not even close to being a point guard. But as someone who, you know, if you give the ball to Otto Porter on the wing or to Tarbo or to Andre Robertson, they can't dribble. They don't you know, create for others. They can't see things in the pick and roll. They're not adept at that. I think Okoro has that ability to, to improve in that area. And that's something where it is going to help him. Now, Auburn didn't use him at all, really, in a pick and roll as a passing scenario. His handle is pretty strong. He can, yeah, he's got some moves. He's got some crossovers. He's got some uh, Euro step moves. He's got some vision in the passing. So that's, I think, the thing that's going to really open things up for him. But it, it's not going to do anything if he can't actually hit a shot, whether that's from the line or from uh, from three uh, outside of the finishing. They All those things, that they need to come. For Okoro. So that, that's my worry with him. I would be significantly downvaluing him in fantasy dynasty drafts. To me, he look, I haven't got no idea at this point, and we'll do dynasty drafts after the draft is done. But again, I, I think he's probably going to be in the 12 to 15, 17 sort of a range, similar to where you had DeAndre Hunter last season. He just does not profile to be a good fantasy player, really, at all at this point in his career. It's, it's a real worry, but he can be maybe uh, a solid enough. Uh, impact player in the NBA by having a good enough defensive impact and being a solid enough finisher. But I worry that he's going to be so low usage and have such a limited impact in other stats that it's really not going to show up in any sort of box score numbers. And that's a worry for uh, Okoro and uh, and, and where you're going to draft him. Again, we've got to look at this draft as not, not a normal draft. It's not a draft where we have these you know, four or five potential all-star players. I don't think we necessarily have that. Maybe one or two. And Okoro in the Luka Doncic draft probably would have been the 12th or 15th pick. But that's not the draft that we're in at the moment. So we've got to make those sort of adjustments. You also have to make an adjustment to make sure that you are not getting a terrible tasting protein bar. Built Bar gives you the best tasting protein bars that you can find. 16 flavors, eight of those flavors are nut-free. Built Bar, you will not find a better tasting protein bar. They're also low calorie, which is fantastic. The Mint Brownie Bar, 15 grams of protein, just 110 calories and only four grams of sugar. That is fantastic. Instead of these bars that are 250, 300 calories per bar, Built Bar gives you low calorie, high protein, Great tasting bars. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft. They are easy to chew. They are fantastic value. If you go to builtbar.com and you use that promo code locked on, you'll get 10 bucks off your first order. So use the promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Buy yourself a box, 18 bars. They've got the mixed bar, which mixed box, 15 different flavors in one box of 18 bars. Get your $10 off to about $25, $27. What a fantastic deal for the best tasting protein bars you can find. Builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on. All right. Um, so, so back to uh, Okoro. Yeah. You, I always have some of those reservations, a guy that sort of comes out of nowhere, has a good season, and a lot of his value is considered theoretical, which I think is where we're at with Okoro at the moment. Like He maybe can develop into a shooter. Maybe he can be a guy that runs more pick and roll and passes better. Maybe he can become an offensive threat. Maybe he can become a defensive playmaker. All those things, they're all maybes. At this point, like what, what is he good at? He's a good finisher. Can he continue to be that? Yes, I think he can. Is there hope that his form can to move across and be okay as a shooter? Maybe. 
Is he a good IQ defender? Absolutely. Does he look like a great teammate, great glue guy? Yes. Do you want to draft a glue guy at pick six? Usually, probably not. In this draft, though, maybe you do. And I guess it all, it, it, some of that does, is going to come into like what team is picking. What do they need? Do they need a swing for the fence? Do they need a position you know, really desperately? And I think that's sort of where he's going to fit. His, his handle, and again, that's that's a positive, is the handle is uh, is strong for Okoro. So having someone who can handle the ball and find guys and be a good finisher, there is value in him. But it's all it has to come back to being a spot-up shooter. He has to be able to finish as a uh, as a three-point shooter. Some of the other stuff for him can be pretty rough, and it can be, as you saw in those last couple of clips here on the video, it can be pretty rough to look at. So if we look at this draft, as I said the other day in my mock draft, I, the Cavs fell to number six, and they took Okoro. Would the Warriors want to take him, just depending on where they fell? I, I don't really think so. Um, the Cavs, yeah, look, I can see that. The, uh, the Wolves, eh, maybe. I'm not completely sold. There's Jarrett Culver. There's Josh Okogie. Does he just fall in with another one of those wings who can't really shoot and play well offensively, but is a theoretically good defender? Maybe they take a third crack at that. Maybe. But I, I don't know that that's exactly yeah, what the way that they want to go um, with Minnesota there. So there are concerns about where he fits there. Atlanta. Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. I, I really couldn't see them picking him in that scenario. Detroit. They've got Sekou Dumbaya, who I think is better off as a four. Uh, the three position, Luke Kennard, you see there? Look, I can see him fitting in Detroit, so to speak, but again, they don't have a huge ton of high-usage players uh, once Griffin and Rose go. There's not many high-usage guys there. The Knicks, at least he wouldn't be a high-usage player. He wouldn't need the ball in his hands like Randall and Barrett, um, so he could make sense there along, along the wing but he's absolutely not going to be a game-changer sort of a player. For Chicago, yeah, look, their, their uh, lack of wings is a real problem. Otto Porter, significant defensive issues. Kobe White, Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen, high-usage players. I think for Chicago, actually, he'd, if, they, if they get that pick at pick seven where they're currently slated based on the odds, or if they fall to eight or nine, Nakoro's there, I actually think that makes quite a bit of sense for the Bulls. The Hornets, they've got Miles Bridges in that position. Could they play a uh, a Coro Bridges Washington three four five combination? I worry that it's just not enough creation ability in that group for each other or for themselves. So I think that's an iffy sort of a fit, but he could make sense there. Washington, their wing position is Troy Brown Jr. at the moment, and he's had significant struggles, and they seem to hate him. But there's not a massive difference between Okoro and Brown. Uh, Brown a much better passer, but both struggle offensively and can provide good defense. Phoenix, he's just a significantly inferior version of McCall Bridges. Um, and and uh, Kelly Oubre's in the mix there as well. I don't really see that as an option. But if you're falling down to pick 10 or 11, maybe you just chuck him in because he's another wing in the mix. But he'd have to fight to get playing time over Cam Johnson, as well as Bridges, as well as Oubre. And he probably wouldn't fit in. San Antonio could be an interesting one, working there to, to improve his shooting. But they just have no shooters. White can't shoot. Murray can't shoot. DeRozan can't shoot. Uh, Bryn Forbes is not an NBA rotation player long-term, so that could be just another player that just struggles offensively in that mix. Uh, they had Keldon Johnson last year. He struggles sometimes with his shooting as well. And then you got Sacramento down at number 12, of course, the pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. 
actually wouldn't mind him in Sacramento with Bogdan and Buddy, who who knows if he's going to be around long, De'Aaron Fox, Bagley, some other high usage players. I could see him fitting there in Sacramento at number 12. So that's sort of a, a look at where Okoro could fit. He, I am almost, now I don't know what I'm doing for my mock draft later this week. I don't know how the lottery balls are going to, uh, are going to fall, but yeah, in looking at him much more in detail this week to, to do this video. I'm pretty confident he's not going to come in at pick six in my mock draft. I'm a little bit out on him because I just think there's so, so much about him that's theoretical and the chances of him not actually working out, uh, it's a little bit scary to me. And maybe I'm just way off on him and I could be, but I've been burnt by this player type in the past. And I think that's definitely impacting my evaluation here on Okoro, which isn't fair to him because he's not these other players. But I just worry about these low usage players who can't shoot, who don't generate fa uh, fantastic defensive numbers. And a lot of it is theoretical that it just doesn't work out for them in the NBA. And I think that's the concern that you have to have when you're evaluating Isaac Okoro. That'll do it for this podcast today. Tomorrow, we're going to be looking at the dynasty value of Ja Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. So stay tuned and check that one out. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>